The following program is not ashamed of the gospel and is about to tell you the truth. Statistic after statistic, you have people who are attending church on Sunday mornings. They are celebrating something, maybe the greatest hits of the 1980s or the latest sermon series based on a movie. They perhaps put their hands up, but they leave that building. I dare not call it a church. And they go out into the world and they act like the world. Why? These days in the church, we've got a lot of false converts. God is the owner of the church. It is his church. It is not your church. It is not my church. It is God's church. The people, to whom do they belong? They belong to God by right of creation. So the people in your congregation, that congregation, those people, they belong to God by right of creation and they belong to God by right of redemption through the blood of His Son, God incarnate. And what are you if you are a minister? What am I if I am a minister? It says here, I am an overseer. I am a shepherd, a servant leader to feed, guard, and protect. I am not to be clever. I can't even find where I'm called to be a great leader, all this nonsense about leadership. I am called to be biblical and to lead God's church only according to what is written. All this nonsense today. Somebody goes out in some denomination and in a few years creates a mega church and then writes a book on how he did it. If you had any discernment at all, you would know that is wrong. It's wrong. Because what that man is doing is building his own kingdom on the bones of unconverted church members. We don't need to hear from clever men. We need to hear from the inspired scriptures. Life matters and the issues in life matter because they affect how we live our lives. In this podcast, Pastor Walt McFadden thinks out loud about truth and discerns how it is being applied to everyday life. Thinking Out Loud podcast is a production of City View Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Well, Pastor Walt, I love when you are thinking out loud about the church. I know in the past we've said that sometimes we talk a lot about the church because we love the church and we want the church to have a certain amount of success as much as we can do on our end of doing things right according to his word. So today we're going to also talk about the church, but it's kind of a different title. Rather than the church, we're calling it the unchurched. What do you mean by that? The unchurched, people that don't go to church. In the 1980s, the goal to get the unchurched to go to church or to be churched. And it was sort of a comparison, an example of the ultimate goal, which is to get people who don't know Jesus to know Jesus. But in this, I think we failed. I think it was a failure because the idea wasn't to fulfill the mission of Jesus, which was to go and make disciples of all nations. The goal was just to get people outside of the church to come into the church. There were a lot of good things that came out of that. A few examples. Not everybody wants to hear Sister Papufnik play organ in, in church anymore. And if you don't know who Sister Papufnik is, my church knows her very well. She 
is obviously an imaginary figure, but she exists in every church. And she has the only key to the organ. But so there was some change. We went from old style music to contemporary music. That was good. And people didn't want 15-minute sermon or 20-minute sermon on the offering. They just wanted to give. They just wanted to hear a simple statement about generosity and why do we give. They didn't want to hear a long diatribe about how we're failing to provide enough nursery workers. They just wanted to come to church and hear worship and the word. But in that, we made some mistakes. We told people not to bring their Bibles to church. We told them not to open their Bibles during church. We told them that it's uncomfortable when people who are unchurched come to church and everybody else seems to be able to find the book of Hosea and this person can't find the book of Hosea. And that makes people feel uncomfortable. So the Bible became a detriment to reaching the unchurched people. And then there were some other things that we did. There was the church growth movement, which was all about just making people feel comfortable when they come into your church and catering to people when they come into your church. And then through that, we lost the idea of being a servant to one another, of loving one another. If you go into any church and you experience one of these old time meet and greet times, I I think they're they're pretty hokey. You have gone to a, a number of different churches because of your ministry, Larry. Is that something that you really enjoy you like I don't I, it's very yeah people. it's I mean it's okay you you get used to that sort of culture but it's not comfortable because it's all kind of uh, put on mm-hmm. smile at your neighbor and shake their hand and tell them that you're glad they're there this morning or here this morning so yeah that's pretty hokey I want to know uh, pastor Walt on, in terms of what is the message how did that change over the course of time I remember when I first went to church, the sermon usually was 45 minutes. It's not that way anymore, I don't think. No, as I was telling you before the podcast that I went to a large church in the Twin Cities and I got a 15-minute message and about a 10-minute video clip. And it was just one little half a verse out of the scripture. And that's our lifeblood. The scripture is our lifeblood. That's what we eat. That's what we feed on. That's how we become strong in the Christian faith. And the, the Bible has been sort of put in the back. And there's a subtle um, message, and it's hard to describe what's really wrong with it. But it's really about becoming a better you. It's sort of a self-help type message that we hear in the church today. There's nothing wrong with being told how to be a good father or mother or take care of your parents or a good citizen But there's something wrong when Christ is not at the center of that, when really what it comes down to is dying to yourself instead of exalting yourself. And seeing the grace that's offered to us and all that Jesus has done for us and how we're solely solely and completely dependent upon him, the message has to be Christ-centered. It can't be centered on us. And so people want to hear that they're good and they want to hear that they're doing the right thing and that they're successful but that's not why jesus came into the world jesus came into the world to correct the world the world is problematic the world is fallen the world is sinful the world is under the domination of a foreign ruler satan and his kingdom is a kingdom of darkness but it expresses itself in light. We need discernment. We get discernment from the scriptures, and you don't have the scriptures. 
you don't have discernment. And you have a situation like my friend who was in church recently and they took a vote about allowing homosexuals to be in ministry. And he, his wife, and one other person were the only three that voted against it. And 80 other people voted in favor of it. And this is a long-standing, historically biblical, right-on-the-money, scripture, evangelistic, into-the-community-type church, and the writing's on the wall for that church, and how discouraging it is for that person to be a part of that. If you lost all of your fellowship, I want you to imagine this, if you lost all of your Bible studies and all of your fellowship and all of your you know, your peeps, okay, at your church. You lost your ministry, you lost the choir, the singing, the programs, the place you serve on Sunday, the pew you sit in, all that. If you lost it all tomorrow, what is left of your Christianity? But what happened with me in this thing today that we call church, which is a group of people gathering in the name of Jesus Christ and Christianity, typically at these large facilities packed with all kinds of entertainment and comforts where people go in, they're forced to shake hands with people they don't want to shake hands with, they listen to a sermon, they feel really emotional about some great worship music, and of course they feel obligated to serve in some form of ministry in the church and participate in groups, and there's a tremendous amount of pressure put on getting in home groups. And for years I didn't know any better, and I just thought, okay, this is what church is, this is what we do. And I was becoming very sensitive to how people actually lived and walked with Jesus Christ. No longer just about church attendance or how great the music was or how great the messages were, but how are people actually living Monday through Saturday? And what ended up happening for me is as I got closer and closer to people in this particular church I was in, I began to be shocked about the things that they allowed into their life and yet still called themselves by the name of the one who requires us to be holy in order to participate in the kingdom of God and in order to have eternal life. You're listening to Thinking Out Loud with Pastor Walt McFadden. I often wonder too, Pastor Walt, on just the nature of the gospel itself. I mean, the gospel is based upon a very, can we say, bloody Christ somebody who went to the cross and died, gave up his life for the sins once and for all of the entire world. And it is in that sacrifice is where we get salvation. Had it not been done by Jesus, we would not have the salvation that we enjoy today. Yet, in our churches, we rarely talk about that incident. We talk about the things you just said. It's like the Dr. Phil hour. We're going to be better people if we do such and such and such. Why has that been such a big change? Because it's been that way since the birth of the church. The Christians were accused of being cannibalists in the early days because they drank the blood of someone and ate his flesh. And the, the Roman Empire would use that against the early church to convict them of treason There was the statement by Paul in the scripture that I am thinking about, that I preach Christ and him crucified. We don't understand the cultural implications of that statement because crucifixion isn't a part of our culture. Crucifixion in that culture was rare. It was for the scum of the earth. And you are following a man who is crucified. But then Paul says as well, I came not with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's the paradox of the Christian faith, is that that man's suffering 
and dying as the scum of the earth is what allows me to be and gives me the power to become the best father or mother or citizen that I possibly can be. The power is not in myself. That flesh that's a part of my sinful nature is crucified. I'm also stretched out on that cross and crucified, and I'm dead to myself. And now it's Christ resurrected within me. That is a totally contrary message to what we're hearing in the church. Well, you put that so well. Let me ask you this, Pastor Walt. If you had the ability, and if it were possible, that you could sit down with Jesus, what would he be most concerned about in his conversation with you? The preservation of his disciples. We think different. We have to break out of set ideals of what we've been taught. Of course, Jesus cares about the lost. John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the whole purpose for Jesus coming. Sharing a a story with the listeners that I shared with my congregation last week, and I shared with you just before this podcast, that last Saturday, we have weekly Saturday morning prayer at our church, and the moment I walked in, God spoke to me as clear as I've heard him speak in a long time. He said, my sheep hear my voice. Of course, that comes from the book of John. My sheep hear my voice. And I got emotional right away because God gave me a picture of the condition of his sheep. The sheep in our culture, in the American church culture, are feeble, they're infested, they're weak, they're starving, they're scrawny, they're dirty, they're filthy. There's so many negative things that we can think about sheep. We think of sheep, we like these little pictures in kids' books of this fluffy white sheep, but sheep take a lot of work. Sheep are an evolutionary mystery. They should not exist. A sheep cannot take care of itself. It cannot protect itself. It is totally vulnerable. There's a reason why God chose sheep to illustrate so many spiritual principles. And think about all of the leaders of Israel. David was a shepherd. Abraham was a shepherd. It was very common. It seems the message is, before you learn to lead my people, you have to learn to lead sheep. And sheep are followers. They listen to the voice of the shepherd. And why are the sheep in that condition? Well, one of the reasons, and there are multiple reasons, is because the shepherd is not taking care of the sheep. And so, you know, we've been praying in our church for revival. We're praying for new souls. I read another statistic last week that said only 1% of the churches in America are growing by conversion. Only 1%. That's sad. And I have to fill out every year how many baptisms we have in our church. And I have to be honest, most of the people that are baptized in the church have been believers a long time and have neglected baptism or their children who have gone to the age of accountability And we're not seeing new conversions. And the message that the Lord was giving to me, and this is for my church, but maybe others need to hear it as well, is how can you reach lost sheep when your sheep are so poorly cared for? I think we're pretty poorly cared for because they're not being fed, because they're not getting the word of God, because they're not strong in their faith, because they cannot provide an answer to anyone who asks us about our faith as we're commanded to do. So like anything else, there were good things that happened through this idea of unchurched to church. It became more comfortable for me as a believer to bring an unbeliever to church, knowing that 
I could trust that there was going to be just worship and the word. But the asking a lot of the hard questions has disappeared from the church too. Like, how are you uh, really spending your money? Are you a generous person? Do you think that all you have to do is just give your tithe? Are you held captive by your possessions, materialism? Are we bearing one another's burdens? We've been asking a lot of questions like this in our church. And it's at the end of my message last Sunday, I said, you know, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I want some feedback from my sermon. I want immediate feedback. I want to know what you're thinking. I had to shut it off. I had so many people saying, one person saying, I'm not doing what God has commanded me to do because I'm full of fear. Another person said, I'm supposed to go to this certain place and spend the summer ministering and my parents are opposed to it. So please pray for me because I want to be obedient to my parents, but I really feel that God has called me to do this. And it was one thing after another, one person after another saying, through the challenge of the Word of God, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit that does it. Through the challenge of some of these things, of the hard questions, we have to get out of this mentality of the church. And this is what you and I grew up with, Larry, in the Pentecostal church. Don't smoke, don't chew, don't hang out with girls that do. You should wrap that. That's very nice. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that does have a good rhyme. But it was all about don't go to movies, don't play cars, don't dance, don't have any fun. Get that smile off your face, Christian. Don't laugh. The only time you have to smile is just that short little painful greeting time. You don't have to turn around and talk to people. The whole atmosphere of the church has got to change. I was becoming very sensitive to how people actually lived and walked with Jesus Christ. I met about eight people on an inside circle basis, and they would begin to share with me things that were going on in their heart. And then when I would confront them on issues of unforgiveness or issues ranging from having no contentment and constantly chasing another man, another job, or another place to live, or another woman who is actually participating in seances, another woman who was running around as a false prophet constantly saying things that were not true, other people's inappropriate talking about sex or other people's sex lives that they knew of in their Bible study, problems they were having, inappropriate conversations, no peace, no joy, no rest. I, I just started looking at the condition of these people that were calling themselves Christ followers, and I began to have this indignation inside of me of something is seriously wrong. Why do these people come to this church that claims to have, you know, the corner on the market of the Holy Spirit, this charismatic church, inviting false prophets in on Sunday nights to prophesy openly to people, some of the most ridiculous things you can even imagine. And I began to look at what, again, what was in these people's lives. The unforgiveness, the idolatry, the love of money, the inability to stop sinning, the alcohol addictions, the food addictions, the just not loving God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I began to say, this is not what we're called to. You're listening to Thinking Out Loud with Pastor Walt McFadden. So, Pastor Walt, as you've been thinking out loud today about the church, and you have an illustration about baseball. You say the church is like baseball. The church is baseball. The, the church, church is, is baseball. baseball. Yeah, the church is baseball. So that baseball has a problem right now. I grew up playing baseball. You probably grew up playing baseball. I Every did. neighborhood mm -hmm. had kids out in the park playing baseball. 
And our dream was to be Mickey Mantle or Hank Aaron or Killebrew, any one of those guys. The demographics have changed. We build all of these stadiums over the last 25 years with the idea, you build it, they will come. And people did come. Everybody went and the Twin Stadium was filled up for 10 years. I think it's 10 years old now. It was filled up almost every year. I miss the days of the Dome and the $5 seats with nobody around. I mean, those are great days where you could just kind of roam the upper deck there. There are successful baseball teams, the Yankees and the Red Sox. Most of the World Series, the majority, belong to the Yankees and the Red Sox now because they can buy the team. And baseball is refusing to ignore that they have a problem. The church also has a demographics problem. The majority of the money that comes into the church come from people who are 50 or 60 years of age and older. So the church is older. The people participating in it are older. Young people are not participating in the church. As high as 90% of evangelical youth will not attend church in their 20s at all. They are falling away. So we have a problem just like baseball does. And what is our solution? Baseball celebrates the Yankees and the Red Sox. In fact, they root for it. We want the Yankees and the Red Sox because we're going to get the television money. So we root for these isolated incidents of success, the less than 10% of churches in the United States that are growing, and some of them are growing exponentially. If you have a church of 5,000, you can plan that you might grow to fifteen or 20,000 in the next 10 years because now you've reached that tipping point where you can provide the goods and services that other people are seeking, and it becomes sort of that mall effect. But ultimately, in the long run, what is the prognosis of the church? It's not good at all. So let me ask you this then, if baseball has a problem because of, the, you know, it's kind of one-sided, what's the one-sidedness in the church? Everything is sort of shifted in one direction. Every church looks alike. Every church has the same kind of message. There's very little variance in how we present the gospel. Is there, is there a problem with that? Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Are we producing that love which becomes our witness. The love is our witness. The love is our example to those around us that this is the real deal. And if we're not producing those relationships, and it it can happen in a small church too. A lot of churches say, we don't understand why visitors come only one time because we are the friendliest church in the world. No, you're friendly to one another. You don't care for those people that come from the outside. The question is really, how are we caring for these people? Are we just catering to them? Or are we giving them this message of the gospel that your past is gone? You have a totally new future. You're not the same person. You don't have to answer for your mistakes of your past. Jesus does all of this for us. We're not giving them that message. We're just saying you can become a better you. You can improve on it. I don't want to be a better me. I want Jesus. That's what I want. And that is the biggest change. God isn't looking for a better you. He's looking for a better Jesus in you. Absolutely. I mean, that is the crux of the gospel. It is the crux of the gospel. And let me end with this. In John 17, Jesus prays for his disciples, not that they be taken out of the world, but they be protected from the evil one. So Jesus is leaving us here, the church, the extension of the kingdom of God, on earth to demonstrate the kingdom of God in heaven. 
That's the prayer of Jesus that Jesus teaches his disciples. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what is this kingdom that we're producing? Is it a kingdom of love, of acceptance, of kindness? I mean radical love, not just that meet and greet on Sunday morning. And when the church gets back to that idea that it is organic, it is the living, breathing body of Jesus Christ, then we'll have a breakthrough in evangelism, and we won't just experience church growth by transfer, we'll experience church growth by conversion. If you say to evangelicals, do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Well, of course it's the Word of God. Do you believe it's authoritative as the Word of God? Yes, of course. You know. Do you believe it's inspired and inerrant? Yes. You know, you can hardly be an evangelical without saying that. But now, what's the problem? Well, the problem in the evangelical church is not that we've denied it in theory, but that we deny it in practice. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of Scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. And so when we try to do our evangelism, we don't trust to the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through the Word to regenerate people, opening dead minds and dead hearts. We think that we have to lure them in with the world's methods, and so we entertain them, and we try to persuade them by speaking to what we call felt needs, and sometimes the gospel is eliminated. That's what's happening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today, and please let us know your thoughts on our topic. We want to hear your feedback and your concerns as you think out loud. Please visit us at cvcmpls.org. That's cvcmpls.org. This podcast is listener-supported. Please consider how you can help by going to our website at cvcmpls.org. This is the City Sites Podcast Network. 